Yes. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll About a Girl is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Let me tell you about Ludacris. Born Christopher Bridges in Illinois, he became Southern rap royalty in Atlanta. One of the biggest stars to come out of the city's outsized rap scene in the early 2000s, he helped mold a lavish, blinged-out style of music that focused more on good times than gangster rap. A charismatic star with a head for business, he parlayed his million-watt smile into film stardom. And today, he might be as well-known for his role in the blockbuster Fast and Furious series as he is for his music career. But this isn't about Ludacris. This is about Edoxi Bridges. Born Edoxi Mbujiange in Gabon, to many, she became a modern-day Cinderella in the United States. After growing up in abject poverty in rural Gabon, she immigrated to the United States as a teenager before eventually marrying into a life of fame and fortune as the wife of one of the world's biggest stars. A fashion trendsetter and a former model who never craved the spotlight. For years, she kept elements of her life a secret, even as she carved out a niche as a philanthropist and social media influencer. Because, just like Cinderella, Adoxy's childhood contained unimaginable darkness. Darkness that haunted her like a shadow, no matter how far she traveled from the village where she was born. For years, she tried to ignore it. She tried to avoid it. But eventually, she had to drag it out into the light before she let it pull her into the darkness. I'm Nikki Lynette, and this story is about a girl. Edoxy felt her chest tighten. Her heart pounded out a beat against her rib cage. Her head was spinning. She wondered if she was going to pass out. Her body felt like it belonged to someone else. This was so unlike her. She was usually so cool and collected, even in the face of public scrutiny, as the wife of one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. Pull it together, she told herself. You are blessed 
Blessed to have your family with you. Blessed with love, blessed with security. With a home like this beautiful 22-room mansion. Then she felt ashamed at her ingratitude. Another in a series of negative thoughts cascading through her head. Growing up in Gabon, Nidoxi learned to survive hard times by moving on. When bad things happened, she didn't dwell on them. She didn't have that luxury. Survival meant enduring hunger when there wasn't enough food to eat. It meant enduring the brutality that village elders could inflict without warning. She learned quickly. You endured and you moved on. Looking back only meant pain. Moving on had served Adoxy well in America, too. It helped her wade through culture shock when she arrived as a teenager who knew only three words of English. It helped her during rocky times when the love of her life had nearly blown up their relationship by getting another woman pregnant. Now, she had been happily married for seven years. Yes, moving on worked for Adoxy. Until now. It was April of 2020. Just over a month prior, COVID-19 brought life to a screeching halt, and there was no moving on. Not for Adoxy. Not for anyone. For the past 45 days, she had barely left the house. With four girls, including her young daughter, two stepdaughters, and her teenage sister to care for, plus her mama, as the French-speaking Adoxy called her mom, fresh off the plane from Gabon. It was a full house and her nerves were fraying. She told herself she should be grateful that they were all together and that they were all healthy. But the younger girls had so much pent-up energy and the older girls brooded and stared at their phones. It was her mom, though, usually the person Adoxy leaned on for support, who was pushing her buttons the most. She dug her nails into her palms as she replayed their last conversation. She tried to remind herself that her mother was just homesick, that she missed Gabon. She missed her house, her friends, her favorite foods. She wanted this pandemic to be over so she could go home. Adoxy tried to remind herself of this, but every time her mom FaceTimed with a friend from home, she would always pipe up with some new conspiracy theory about how the virus was all fake and Adoxy would see red. Adoxy studied pre-med in school and had once dreamed of becoming a doctor. She followed the coronavirus coverage daily. She knew that her mom was at more risk than any of them, and yet she was the one who refused to take it seriously. Usually when her mom had some new bit of so-called information to share from the village, Adoxy could brush it off or redirect to a new topic. But this afternoon, after 45 days trapped at home, 45 days worrying about her family's safety, Worrying that the world would never be the same, she couldn't take it anymore. Mama, please, she snapped. No more of this. Her mom reached out a hand to comfort her, but Adoxy slapped it away. Leave me alone, she yelled, and tears began pouring down her face. The fear and anxiety that she had been holding back for six weeks finally broke through the dam. Although she wasn't conscious of it, her body had already snapped into fight-or-flight mode. Her brain dumped adrenaline into her bloodstream. Her breathing quickened and her pulse skyrocketed as her heart rushed oxygen through her body. The sensation of fear seemed to attack from every angle. As this overwhelming dread consumed her, she paced back and forth through the living room, unable to stop. 
Her mom called to her husband and Chris came bounding into the room, a concerned look on his face. He tried to talk to her, to bring her down, but his voice sounded distant, like it was coming through the other side of a waterfall. He said something about a new massage chair in their bedroom. Then he left to go check on the girls. Adoxy looked down the hallway to their bedroom. It seemed miles away, but after an agonizing hour pacing back and forth, she was willing to try anything to relieve her jittery energy and distract her from the negative thoughts running through her mind. She steadied herself and wrapped a blanket around her body as she started slowly walking, head down. She made it past the elegant dining room, past the platinum ludicrous albums and framed Fast and Furious posters on the wall, past the home gym, the recording studio, and finally to the darkened bedroom in the back of the house. She padded on bare feet across the carpeted floor to the massage chair. She ran her hands along the leathery upholstery and shrugged her shoulders. Why not? She climbed into the chair. As she laid down and pushed the button, the contraption rumbled to life. It poked and prodded her back and shoulders like the cassava root she and her mother would pound every morning back in Gabon. The sensation was anything but soothing. This was definitely not what she needed. She turned off the chair and drifted into the master bathroom. As she stepped into the room, the tile felt cool against the soles of her feet. As she focused on the sensation, she felt the storm raging inside her calm just a bit. She slipped off her shirt and laid down, shivering as her spine made contact with the cold floor. She tried to slow the pace of her ragged breathing. She stretched out her arms. As she did, her fingers made contact with a woven rug. It was a brightly patterned cloth that she bought during her last visit to Gabon. The trip was wonderful. Her daughters first took a bone, and it was full of happy memories, visiting cousins and aunts and uncles. Today, however, in her fragile state, when her fingers made contact with the cloth, it triggered another memory. Eight-year-old Adoxy lay on the floor of the squat, one-room brick hut that she shared with her mother in rural Gabon. Her fingers stroked a strip of the brightly colored cloth that her mother used to make dresses and wraps. Her eyes were wet with tears as she stared blankly across the room. She was not alone, but she wished that she were. She couldn't see him behind her, but she could still feel his presence. A shiver of fear ran down her spine. The day started like any other. Her mom, five months pregnant and starting to show, walked slowly and steadily down the dirt path to Adoxy's aunt's house. Adoxy trailed behind, bouncing off the path to the left and right as she followed her mother's brightly colored dress. They arrived at a brick hut, identical to their own, and one of Adoxy's cousins ran out to meet her. The two girls, born only a few weeks apart, were practically sisters. Their laughter rang out as they ran circles around the other women who gossiped and settled into the rhythm of pounding cassava root into fufu, a starchy, dough-like food that Adoxy loved to dip into the flavorful stews and soups her mom cooked. Eventually, they called the girls to help work the dough until it was smooth and shiny. With the task done, they divided the finished fufu in half and Adoxy's mother handed it to her in a bag to carry home. 
Adoxy slung the bag over her shoulder, glumly following behind. She didn't dart back and forth on the return trip. The bag was heavy, and soon her back was aching. Sweat beaded on her forehead. Her legs felt heavy. Ahead, she knew their next trip would be an even longer march to the market. As they neared their hut, Adoxy began to complain loudly. Her stomach ached. She had chills. She had a fever. Please, could she stay home just this once and rest? Adoxy's mother rolled her eyes at this production. She tried to stay firm with Adoxy, but the girl was the apple of her eye. She could learn anything she set her mind to, and she was a natural beauty even as a youngster. It was clear to everyone in the village that she was special. She may have had a natural glow, but there was also one other thing that made her unique. Her father was an American citizen. True, he had been in and out of their life for most of her childhood. He shuttled between Gabon and the United States, disappearing for months or years at a time. He had been back recently long enough to impregnate Adoxy's mom before running off again. Regardless, citizenship is a matter of blood, and as such, his children were American citizens. Adoxy's mom knew that while she loved her home country, it was a hard place to raise a child, and the opportunities for a young girl were extremely limited. She wanted her daughter to have more than was possible in Gabon. She had already filed immigration paperwork for herself, but it could be months until they were approved. It could be years. Now, lying on the floor of the hut, totally still except for her fingers softly stroking the cloth, Adoxy wished more than anything that she had gone with her mother to the market. A few minutes after her mother had left, she heard the door swing open. Adoxy was surprised when a man entered, but he was a familiar figure, a family member. She relaxed for a second until he marched across the room and slapped a rough hand over her mouth. She screamed, but the sound was muffled by his hand. He reared back and slapped her hard, and she immediately fell silent. The rest was a blur. When it was over, he sped out a warning at her not to say anything and walked out the door, leaving Adoxy there on the floor, her fingers stroking the cloth next to her. That's where her mother found her when she returned from the market. Her eyes looked glassy. She seemed limp. Not at all the vibrant little girl who went weaving back and forth across the paths this morning. Adoxy's mother was sure she'd been pretending to be sick earlier, but maybe she was wrong. She knelt down and put her hand to Adoxy's forehead. It felt normal. A vague sense of unease ran through her, but she couldn't quite pin it down. She brushed the feeling aside and started making dinner. Eventually, Adoxy got up, and side by side, the two began to cook. In the small hut, they were so close that their elbows were touching. But a new distance opened between them that they could both feel, but neither could name. In the 90s in Gabon, topics like sexual abuse were extremely taboo, especially in rural areas. The justice system tended to be an informal one where offenders were shunned by their communities rather than going to trial and a formal prison. In the majority Catholic country, this led many crimes 
especially sexual abuse, to go unreported, and it created a perfect breeding ground for abusers to operate with impunity. Adoxy told no one about what happened to her. Not her mom, not her aunt, not even her cousin. She felt a sense of shame for what had happened. She blamed herself. She wondered what was wrong with her that she had allowed this to happen. For years, as she suffered in silence, she was convinced that she was the only one until one day, a few years later. At age 13, Adoxy was old enough to travel the path to her aunt's hut by herself. She bounded down the path to pick up her cousin. Adoxy's mom and aunt were already in the village center, helping to prepare for a celebratory feast. A distant cousin and his wife had just given birth to their first son, and the entire village was preparing to welcome the new arrival. Adoxy excitedly rounded the corner, and the hut came into view. She stopped short as she saw a familiar man closing the door. Her tormentor. As he closed the door, he looked her straight in the eyes before turning in the direction of the village center and casually sauntering off. Adoxy, frozen with fear until he walked out of view, sprinted to the door and threw it open. Her cousin was sitting on the floor, arms wrapped around herself, eyes wet with tears. She never said a word to Idoxy. They just sat in silence together for a while and then slowly stood and began to prepare food for the feast. It was only a few months later that word finally came. Five long years after she applied, Adoxy's mother had finally been approved for immigration. Adoxy was scared to leave home, but she felt overjoyed at the thought of finally escaping the abuse. It would mean starting over completely. The only words she knew in English at the moment were yes, no, and please. And she would be attending a public high school in just a few months. The road would be challenging, but as her mom kept reminding her, there were opportunities ahead as long as she kept moving forward. Like most immigrants after arriving in the States, Adoxy and her mom found ways to stay connected to their home country. They cooked their favorite dishes, replacing ingredients and adjusting them as needed. They wrote letters home. They sent pictures. And every few weeks, despite the astronomical cost, they would jump on the phone for an international call with her aunt and cousin. It was in one of these calls that Adoxy heard the news. Her cousin was pregnant. No one mentioned anything about who the father was. Adoxy didn't ask. She didn't have to. Tears ran down Adoxy's face as the memory washed over her. She pulled her hand away from the bathroom rug and curled into a ball. She tried again to focus on the cold sensation of the tile against her skin. She tried to rein in her ragged breathing and slow the pounding in her chest. She reminded herself that she was home. In Atlanta. It was 2020. She scanned the room looking for something to anchor her thoughts. On the shelf next to the door were two photos. She looked at the first, a picture of her family in the Bahamas earlier this year. She remembered the tranquil island Eleuthera, where she spent ten days ringing in the new year, 
In this secluded paradise, they felt completely unplugged from the world. They didn't check their phones until they got home to Atlanta. That was when they first heard the news about a mysterious illness circulating through China. When this awful feeling of dread had first started, another wave of panic surged inside her as she closed her eyes and tried to push away the thoughts. After a few seconds, she slowly opened her eyes again and studied the second picture on the shelf. It was a small five-by-seven photo in a wooden frame. It was a picture of her. Not a glamorous shot from her days as a model, but a candid pic of her speaking to a crowd of mostly women in a hotel ballroom. She was gesturing confidently with the motion. The photo was slightly blurry, but the memory was sharp in Adoxy's mind. She closed her eyes and brought the image to life. It was March 2016, and Adoxy looked down at her shaking hands. She tried to review the notes in front of her, but her fingers trembled so much she could barely make them out. A private person by nature, she preferred to let her husband take the spotlight. Despite their celebrity, she had reflexively kept the press at arm's length. Little was known about her life growing up, and she preferred it that way. She wanted to run out of the hotel ballroom and never look back. Instead of running, though, she looked over at her three-month-old daughter sleeping soundly in her husband's arms. She remembered her cousins back in Gabon. She reminded herself of why she was doing this. Ever since Adoxy arrived in America as a teenager, she had worked hard to provide for herself and her family. She went from barely speaking English to an honor roll student. She was the first in her family to graduate high school, then college, then grad school. A radiant beauty with a unique look, she paid for school by booking modeling gigs, including for legendary high fashion house Dior. Despite all this, when she and Chris had gone public with their relationship, Ludacris fans had mostly latched on to her rags to riches story. It was easy to understand why. The story had all the contours of a classic fairy tale. A radiant beauty from a humble background catches the eye of a charming prince, or in this case, Southern rap royalty. They meet at a ball, or in this case, a VIP-only pre-party at the prince's annual Luda Day celebration in Atlanta. Adoxy's fairy godmother? Well, that was whatever fashion line she was working for that night, which got her, a broke grad student, through the door and dressed in designer clothes, for the evening at least. She caught his eye from across the room and they danced the night away until she abruptly left, at the stroke of midnight, no doubt. She didn't leave behind a glass slipper, but a text message with her number. It took him months to get her to agree to a first real date. She was smitten but wary of getting involved with such a high-profile partner. Plus, she had just a few months left in her master's program, and she wasn't going to let anything, including a fling with a celebrity, get in the way. So they spent the fall getting to know each other through texts and calls. She was pleasantly surprised to discover that behind the brash persona, Christopher Bridges was an intelligent, charismatic conversationalist and a doting family man with a romantic shriek. It was only after she finished school that she agreed to see him again. Only then could she admit to herself that she was falling for him. 
Happily Ever After lasted until 2013, when Chris got another woman pregnant. As part of the ugly custody battle that followed, she was dragged into the spotlight. Despite feeling conflicted, she stood by him publicly. Anonymous posters and Gossip Mag columnists called her a gold digger, an opportunist, and much worse. They even accused her of faking her educational background. Even though it was petty, after all the work she put in, somehow that insult stung the most. In the face of withering criticism, she nearly ended it several times that year. But eventually they patched things up, and he proposed on Christmas Day of 2014. They got married the next day, and a little less than a year later, she gave birth to the beautiful baby girl that was currently snoozing in his arms. She gazed at her daughter's fine, delicate nose, her dark, curly hair, her sweet, plump cheeks. She remembered the surge of joy she felt holding the tiny, helpless creature as she nursed her in the dark hours of the night. She felt so much love, she thought her heart might explode. But bound up in that love was shards of fear and shame. Fear that what happened to her as a child could possibly happen to this innocent child in her arms. Shame that she could not protect her cousin. Shame at the pain she had kept a secret all these years. In the light of day, it was easy to recognize that this was not her fault. But in the dark hours of the night, it haunted her. Rightly or wrongly, she knew that, as the wife of a major celebrity, she had a platform. Her life was blessed. Little girls looked up to her. If telling her story could help even one of them realize that she was not alone, then she did not have to carry her shame and fear by herself. Then it would be worth it. But the thought of revealing herself in this way made her stomach turn. She talked it over with her husband and her mom. She spent months writing about her experiences. She forced herself to reflect on the painful memory she had tucked away for so many years. Finally, she felt ready to tell her story. Here, tonight, in front of a group of survivors of abuse, she would go public about her experiences for the first time. Her hands shook and her heart pounded in her chest as they called her name to the podium. She took a final look at her sleeping daughter. She still wanted to run away, but instead she walked confidently to the podium. She closed her eyes and began to speak. The words poured out of her. She saw other women in the audience nodding their heads in recognition of her story. She felt their strength become her strength. She leaned into the microphone to conclude her speech with a final sentence she had never uttered before in her life. My name is Adoxy Bridges, and I am a survivor of sexual abuse. Adoxy felt her breathing slow and the muscles in her back began to uncoil as she stared at the picture of herself. Giving that speech had perhaps been the hardest thing she had ever done in her life. Now, she felt a rush again at the memory of how powerful and free she felt when she could finally tell her own story on her own terms. After going public as a survivor of abuse, Adoxy started a nonprofit she named Unspoken Angels. Through the foundation, she worked with young girls in Gabon and in Atlanta. She provided school supplies and therapists, money for activities, for healing. 
She provided places for these girls to relax, to learn, and most importantly, to heal. Writing and speaking about her experiences also gave her the chance to heal, to let go of the guilt and shame and fear that she carried with her for more than two decades. In a slightly better state of mind, she turned to look back at the picture of her family together in the Bahamas. The happiness she felt at that moment with her family all together came back to her. She thought again of their daily routine. During the trip, Adoxy had taken to waking up early to walk on the beach alone. On one of the first days, she met a woman, a guru of sorts, and immediately recognized her as a kindred spirit. They spoke about life and family, the past and the future during their walks. Adoxy was amazed at how at ease she was around this woman. She started referring to her as a spiritual mother. Throughout the chaos of the past few months, they stayed in touch, usually by email. On a whim, Adoxy picked up her phone and dialed and immediately felt relief when a soothing voice answered on the other end. For an hour, Adoxy unburdened herself until she felt she couldn't go on. Her spiritual mother suggested she write out the rest of her feelings. Adoxy found an old notebook in her bedside table and, as she poured out her fears and anxieties onto the page, she felt her body slowly returning to its normal state, the ceaseless negative thoughts finally abating. She knew she would find the strength to move forward, to care for the young women in her house, to care for the girls in her programs in Gabon and in the United States, to use the blessings that had been bestowed upon her to help others. Eventually, Chris came upstairs to check on her and found her still lying on the cold tile floor. He held her in his arms and they walked down the long hallway back to join the rest of their family. Past the platinum records, representing millions and millions of copies sold, past the posters of his movies hanging on the wall, including his celebrated appearances in one of the biggest film franchises ever. But this is not about ludicrous. This is about Adoxy Bridges, who learned how to move forward without looking back, who learned how to look back without disappearing into the darkness, who learned how to survive. This is About a Girl. About a Girl is produced by Scott Janovitz and executive produced by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis. The show was created by Eleanor Wells and hosted by me, Nikki Lynette. This episode was written by Patrick Coleman. For sources used in this episode, go to aboutagirlpod.com. Music by Scott Janovitz and Matt Tahaney, with additional music and score elements by Ryan Spraker. The show is on Instagram at aboutagirlpod, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nikki Lynette.